Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link atop for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading of the Manual for Teachers with Section 8, How Can the Perception of Order of Difficulties Be Avoided? And Question 9. Uh, there it is, our changes required in the life situation of God's teachers. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 347, which at the top of the hour, Fran will lead our reflection of. Under the topic of what is a miracle, today's lesson is anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep all miracles away from me. And by way of opening this morning, I was led to this poem from Rumi. I'm sure it's familiar to all of you at this time, but in the relinquishment relinquishment of judgment, um, this poem uh, speaks volumes. The poem is called The Guest House, and it goes like this. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. This being human is a guest house. Amen. Wow, that was so cool. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Uh, it's a privilege to listen to those every morning. So thank you, guys. And, okay, here's our reading list today. We have Fran, Robin Marie, Jessica, Donna, Harrison, and Lemoyne. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida and Reverend Rita. And is there anyone whose name I missed or who would like to say good morning? Good morning, it's Chris. Hi, Chris. Listening this morning? Uh, Just listening. Okay. All right. Well, glad you're here. And so, we'll take up again the manual for teachers. In question eight, how can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided. 
The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on unequal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing seen competes with every other in order to be recognized. A larger object overshadows a smaller one. A brighter thing draws the attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea, or one conceived of as more desirable by the world's standards, completely upsets the mental balance. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. And frame. Eight. How can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided? The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on unequal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing theme competes with every other in order to be recognized. A larger object overshadows a smaller one. A brighter thing draws the attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea, or one conceived of as more desirable by the world's standards, completely upsets the mental balance. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. Two, illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? By definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind, therefore, seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lies. Finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate different from other minds and with different interests of its own and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Thank you, Fran. And Rob Marie. Two, illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? Excuse me. By definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded of major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind, therefore, seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lies. Finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests, interests of its own, 
and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Three, where do all these differences come from? Certainly they seem to be in the world outside, yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eyes' messages and gives them, quote, meaning, unquote. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote, reality, unquote, is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward, and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body's eyes will never see except through differences, yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. It, yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages, so only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. <clears throat> Paragraph three. Where do all these differences come from? Certainly, they seem to be in the world outside. Yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eyes' messages and gives them, quote, meaning. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote, reality is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward, and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body's eyes will never see except through differences. Yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages, though only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. Four, it is in the sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its preconceived values. Judging where each sense datum fits best, best. What basis could the faultier could be faultier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself asked to be given what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. <laughs> in this, the judgment of all differences rests, because it is on this that of the world depends. Can this confused and senseless reasoning be the for anything? 
Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Four. It is the sorting out uh, and category, categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its perceived values, judging where each sense datum fits best. What basis could be faultier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself asked to be given what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. On this, the judgment of all differences rests because it is on this that judgment of the world depend, that judgments of the world depend. Can this confused and senseless reasoning be depended on for anything? Five, there can be no order of difficulty in healing merely because all sickness is illusion. It is harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a, a larger hallucination as a... Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more quickly to the unreality of a louder voice he hears than to that of a softer one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill than a shout? And do the number of pitchforks the devils he sees carry affect their credibility in his perception? His mind has categorized them as real. And so they are real to him. When he realizes they are illusions, they will disappear. And so it is with healing. The properties of illusions, which seem to make them different, are really irrelevant, for their properties are as illusory as they are. Thank you, Donna. And Harrison. Five. There can be no order of difficulty in healing merely because all sickness is illusion. Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more? quickly to the unreality of a loud voice he hears than to that of a softer one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill than a shout? And do the number of pitchforks the devil he sees carrying affect their credibility in his perception? 
his mind had capitalized them as real. And so they are real to him. When he realizes they are all illusions, they will disappear. And so it is with healing. The properties of illusions which seem to make them different are really irrelevant. For their properties are as illusory as they are. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind which has let itself be healed will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be quote-unquote sicker than others, and the body's eyes will their changed appearances as before. But the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it. So too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Thank you, Harrison. And Lemoyne, if you'd like to read uh, six and move right into question nine, please. Okay. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind which has let itself be healed will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be, quote, sicker than others, and the body's eyes will report their changed appearances as before. But the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its teacher. The understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, 
for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. And section nine of the manual. Excuse me. Our changes required in the life situation of God's teachers. Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident and chance plays no part in God's plan. It is most unlikely that changes in his attitudes would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation almost immediately, but these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are giving a. By far, the majority are given a slowly evolving training program in which as many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular, must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. Thank you, LeMoyne. And is there a new reader for uh, paragraph 1 and 2 in section 9? This is Sandra. I can do that. Thanks, Sandra. Uh, Nine. Are changes required in the life situation of God's teachers? Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident and chance plays no part in God's plan. It is most unlikely that changes in his in his attitude would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation almost immediately, but these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are given a slowly evolving training program in which as many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. As a teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer, 
and it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly slow process, not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directed towards achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criteria for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be uh, one more new reader to finish with this second paragraph in section nine? I can read, Laurie. It's Lana. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you. As the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer, and it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly slow process, not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directed towards achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criterion for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lana. Um, well, to touch on a few um, major thoughts in these two sections, uh, from that first section, eight, how can perception of order of difficulties be avoided? In that first paragraph, the belief, belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences. That second paragraph, by definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance, but is recognized as being untrue. Finding truth is unacceptable. The mind revolts against truth. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds with different interests of its own, and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. In that third paragraph, only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether it 
whether what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. And in the fourth paragraph, sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here that correction must be made. Paragraph five, there can be no order of difficulty in healing merely because all sickness is illusion. And in the sixth paragraph, this is the gift of its capital T teacher. The understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appear to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. And in section 9, are changes required in the life situation of God's teacher? In that first paragraph, changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident, and chance plays no part in God's plan. Relationships, in particular, must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. And in that second paragraph, as the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his capital teacher for his answer. And it is this he follows as his guide for action. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as a criteria for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. And amen. Force open. This is Donna, just when I thought I was getting someplace. In uh, (laughs) 9, paragraph 1, it says, Relationships in particular must be properly perceived in all dark corners of unforgiveness removed. (laughs) And as I read that and heard it, about Five or six names popped up in my head of people I assumed I had forgiven. So it it reveals to me I have some work to do. I am complete. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Thank you, Donna. You know, this whole section, both sections, really. This is Lana. I'm sorry. Um... It takes me back to that one question, you know, that I seem to ask about any 
perception that's not loving and 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 that question to Holy Spirit is what is the truth of that of this? I obviously don't know it or else I wouldn't I would be in peace. So when I asked what is the truth of this, I at the same time I'm letting go of all my past ideas. I'm leaving an open space for truth to have a place to enter my mind and and it's um and it's not always, most of the time, it's not immediate, you know. I'll, I'll go about my day and and I'll hear something or read something or a thought will just pop into my mind that um, either answers the question or uh, makes the question meaningless because I've had an experience of what the truth was. So um, that discernment between what's real and what's not i can't depend on my thinking mind i um because i'm usually wrong but i can depend on holy spirit to show me the truth if i'm willing to step aside and let that truth be received and you know sometimes i'm successful sometimes i'm not but i know that at least um it can't be found by the thought system that asks the question in the first place. So um, it's just um, a waste of my time, and uh, and I go nowhere. So anyhow, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you, Lana. Yeah, thank you, Lana. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, it took me a long, long, long time to figure out the difference, and there's a world of difference, um, between bringing illusion to truth and bringing truth to illusion. It would seem there's um, not a difference in those two things. But there's a world of difference. And um, two things come to mind. Uh, I'm recalling um, that lovely section in the text that talks about see no one from the battleground. If I want to see something clearly, I have to um, lift lift my awareness, lift my mind a little bit above it. Uh, before I can really see um, the relationships that exist between things. On the battleground, just like he says, um, everything competes with every other thing uh, for attention from one's uh, consciousness, attention from one's awareness. And in the midst of it, uh, it's all very confusing. And... um, And here's something that really helps um, in this discussion. I saw a a thing on PBS one time about um, a guy. I think he started in the 60s. But he wanted to discover the relationships that existed between 
so-called things in a so-called environment. And so he went uh, out to the Pacific coast uh, and he found a tide pool. And in the tide pool, he recognized that a number of different living creatures um, existed in harmony uh, together. Nothing was, um, nothing seemed to be outside of the tide pool influencing the life that was in the pool. In other words, it was a closed system. And he undertook to discover what changes would take place in the relationships among things in the tide pool if he started to manipulate the environment. And so he decided he didn't like the urchins, the sea urchins. So he removed the sea urchins from the tide pool and all of a sudden uh, everything um, had a different relationship to every other thing in the tide pool. In a lot of ways, that's what judgment does. It changes the nature of relationships that exist. And um, I can do that with my own mind when I judge against something. Uh, everything will shift into a direction that isn't true, that isn't right, that isn't in balance, that isn't in um, I want to say a relational existence with every other thing. In other words, in the universe as God created it, there's a harmony. There's a natural harmony where everything is in relationship with every other thing in a way that maintains truth in loving relationship. Life is supported and everything supports life. But in the judgment of the ego mind, in the judgment of my mind when I see myself as separate, um, I have no concept of the relationships that exist um, in my field. There's, in fact, no relationship among the things in my field at all because I see myself standing apart from all of it in a position where I judge. I like this, I don't like that. I like this, I don't like that. And each separate thing has its own um, has its own isness um, only in light of how I judge it that's how these two uh, sections blend together um, to help me understand what is my father asking of me what is uh, my relationship to source and what is the effect of source on everything? The source, the source is um, just nothing, nothing but love, extension of love, everything in loving relationship to every other thing because everything is God. Everything supports every other thing um, in a relationship of giving and receiving. Standing apart from that, uh, I have no concept of that. But the atonement cracks my mind. There is no apartness from source. And I have no need to um, ask my separate mind for an interpretation of anything. 
Um, in fact, I start to realize that when I ask my mind to translate my environment for me in a way that I understand, I see that even my own understanding is skewed. I can't know. I can't know when I stand apart from creation what the loving relationship of everything to everything is. I start to manipulate my tide pool, rejecting this and accepting that. And pretty soon, nothing in my tide pool has a loving relationship to any other thing, especially me. I thought, I thought, I thought I was the decider. I thought I was the translator. I thought it was my job uh, to learn what everything meant on the basis of what I was taught, what I was conditioned to believe, what I liked and what I didn't like. And all of that comprised the world of illusion because my error was in my own thinking. Um, my hierarchy of values, I like this, I don't like that, uh, became the screen through which I saw everything and nothing could be seen in relationship to the whole. And that's perception as, um, in a nutshell, in the midst of conflict, I judged conflict and I didn't see anything in right relationship to any other thing. Awareness is altogether different. And awareness is the gift of truth, the, the restoration of truth uh, in my mind. And from there, I'm automatically um, elevated to a position where I see things through the Holy Spirit's eyes, judging them only as He does. And here's my freedom. I thought, I was bound by laws that this world made up. But in point of fact, there is no law in this world. There's only the law of love, that giving and receiving are one in truth, that all I give is all I receive. And the notion of karmic retribution, that um, I suffer as a consequence of my errors, <laughs> someone's victimized me or I've victimized someone else, all of that just leaves because all of that is a consequence of my own judgment. One answer to sickness is healing. And one answer to illusion is truth. The only change that's asked of me is to defer my own judgment. Stop translating my environment and let Holy Spirit reveal it to me. Because I was wrong. <laughs> I was just wrong. And I'm, I like that tide pool analogy because it helps me understand that the Holy Spirit sees things. Everything is in perfect and right relationship. And it's all directed toward a holy and loving and um, universally blessed uh, existence all flowing from source I'm complete that was absolutely beautiful I needed that thank you so much oh thank you Laurie that was beautiful very lovely thank you so much Laurie 
Thank well, you. Thanks, Lori. It was amazing. This is Sandra, and good morning. And um, I love this lesson because it says, it says the teacher of God is required to make some changes. So that re- reminds me that I have to be really open-minded about this. And I've heard that on this call that um, that is a requirement and I'm happy to hear it because uh, the body hi, the body is a neutral the body's neutral it's a communication device and the word sickness I think is actually a, a judgment because why why do I think it's a judgment when somebody says you're sick or you got cancer because what it what it does is it brings up fear. And sickness is a judgment because it creates fear. And really it's it's there to just nudge us that I nudge me that I need to be open to make some changes. And then it's up to me to discern what with the help of Holy Spirit what needs to change. Usually, for me, it's a lifestyle change. And I've heard, I think it was Donna who mentioned, you know, that she's got work to do around forgiveness. That, that for me, when I found myself ill in these past couple of years, um, I knew that I needed to do more forgiveness work. I thought I had forgiven, but I, I knew right away that I had to do more forgiveness work, that there was a lifestyle change required here. I had to go in deeper. I couldn't just accept it the way it was because I was not feeling well. And what's the point of even being here if if I'm feeling lousy and I don't even want to be here and all, and all that's going on is that I feel sick and I'm depressed and, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Um, nothing was working and I got depressed and there was parts of me that didn't want to be here anymore and, and until I could figure out, well, no, you do want to be here. You just need, need to make a little adjustment, which is to do that forgiveness work. I've had to keep adjusting the way I eat, try to work through because the sickness itself is not, it's not, it's not a, um, a sentence. It's an opportunity. <laughs> It's not a jail sentence. It's an opportunity to make those changes that are required and and myself with the Holy Spirit because we're co-creating this. I'm co-creating this. I have a part to play in this. I'm not a victim. So it's just up to me to discern, not to judge, but to discern with the help of Holy Spirit what is it that I need to change in order to create health in my body and it's it's a process i don't it's not a it's not a quick fix the way i mean i'd love to go to big pharma and say give me a pill please i want to be better no it doesn't work that way (laughs) it's a process and i'm so grateful (laughs) i'm just so grateful that god has given me a way out i don't have to buy into this crap of 
fear and doctors who try to frighten me. I mean, when I had a cancer diagnosis and I said, no, I don't want to do chemotherapy and radiation, there were nurses who were calling me and saying, oh, you got to do, you know, they were trying. And I said, please, I know you're doing your job. And I appreciate that. But please don't try to frighten me. I'm, do- I'm going to heal this with the help of God. And I don't appreciate you trying to frighten me. So that's the story for me. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Power, powerful witness. Oh, let's see. Can we turn to Fran? Oh, let's take our holy interlude this morning on miracles. I'm thank so you. happy to be able to do that every morning, friend. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Glad to do it. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme one is What is a Miracle? And today's lesson is Lesson 347. Anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep all miracles away from me. And we'll go, I'll read something, what is a miracle? can find it. There it is. A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. Forgiveness is the home of miracles. The eyes of Christ deliver them to all they look upon in mercy and in love. Perception stands corrected in his sight and what was meant to curse has come to bless. Each lily of forgiveness offers all the world the silent miracle of love and each is laid before the word of God upon the universal altar to creator and creation in the light of perfect purity and endless joy. Miracles fall like drops of healing rain from heaven on a dry and dusty world where starved and thirsty creatures come to die. Now they have water. Now the world is green. And everywhere the signs of life spring up to show that what is born can never die. For what has life has immortality. Now we'll go to the lesson. Lesson 347. Anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep all miracles away from me. Father, I want what goes against my will and do not want what is my will to have. Straighten my mind, my Father. It is sick. But you have offered freedom. I choose to claim your gift today. And so I give all judgment to the one you gave to me to judge for me. He sees what I behold, and yet he knows the truth. He looks on pain, and yet he understands it is not real. And in his understanding, it is healed. He gives the miracles my dreams would hide from my awareness. 
Let him judge today. I do not know my will, but he is sure it is your own, and he will speak for me and call your miracle to come to me. Listen today. Be very still and hear the gentle voice for God assuring you that he has judged you as the son he loves. Lesson 347, we'll take a moment and reflect on this. Anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep all miracles away from me. Listen today. Be very still and hear the gentle voice for God assuring you that he has judged you as the son he loves. Lesson 347. Anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep all miracles away from me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. This is Donna. I was thinking about judgment before I made the call. And um, and then I went to the lesson and I said, oh my God. Because I, I was thinking about getting angry and about having to catch myself with judgment. And I thought, gee, I must have got this. Somebody else is studying this lesson and I got it as inspiration. So I I thank whatever whoever that was, and I'm grateful to Fran as well. And on this the lesson judgment, I I've had this experience entering a difficult uh, entrance on our expressway here on on 95, and I I began to accelerate. I should be able to get moved in front of of uh, the traffic to, behind me, and it's like. The past couple of times, it appears to me 
that individuals actually speed up so I can't possibly get on. And then when the brake comes after a person passes me, the guy behind me pulls out in front of me, so I end up having to stop cold turkey right on the freeway because I can't get on. But instantly, I'd, I'd gotten angry. I'd passed judgment on the drivers behind me. But the beautiful thing is I caught it and began to see them as Christ. As, 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 that's my new prayer now. <laughs> I am Christ. They are Christ. And we're jointly participating in the good of God. So it's just mind-blowing how living these words are in this book. And then when we did eight, I think, oh, my, uh-oh, this is all overwhelming. There's just too much for me to even comprehend here. And, and it seemed to be overwhelming. There's so much incredibly spiritually enlightening, enlightening information, uh, but who can grab it? But listening um, to the reading and after the reading, and then seeing my salvation in nine. And um, so we only have two ways of seeing, so I've grabbed that much. And one way is the dream world, and it's made of illusions of what seemed to be. And it teaches us a hierarchy of values to continue the separation's existence. And then I got justification here because I remember I'm exact. I I I was delivered by this line in this paragraph one of nine. Remember that no one is where he is by accident. And I thought, oh, thank God for that. Because <laughs> the next thing is I would have been judging myself. So. So, um, so actually, then I saw, okay, then in two, the only other up, uh, 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 way is our authentic hierarchy of values are ever-present. And because I'm not where I'm not supposed to be, but I am where I actually am supposed to be, uh, they are being revealed by every step I take moment to moment. And then the other wonderful light I got was that I don't have to get all out of, bent out of shape here because it says in paragraph two of nine that I do not have to make my own decisions, that I can ask the teacher for his answers and it is this that I can follow for my, uh, for my steps because so, he will guide that action. So I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful to everyone. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Donna. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Donna. That was, a, that was a good interpretation. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Jude. I just love this. Um, this is one of my favorite parts, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a line in, in the text somewhere that says um, to give a wink and a nod to God. And that's seeing through Christ's eyes, that love sees everything as itself. 
and the nod, um, the N-O-D, um, it's a reminder to me, had, had been a, a tool of practice that I used. N-O-D, no order of difficulties in miracles, no order of differences in miracles. No, and, um, you know, that any perception that my body's eye sees, they're all different. Every, every perception is a perception of differences. So perception deceives and, and that the mind conceives of its meaning or its value. And what is judgment? But um, uh, the mind's evaluation, it, it evaluates what the body's eye see. So it's not my body's eye seeing what it sees. You know, that's all beautiful. And without judgment, it, it merely is what it is. It's, it's all wonderful and beautiful and a mystery. What, what is it I'm looking at today? It's always changing. It's always different. It's a miracle. Everything I see is a miracle. But it's in my mind's evaluating it. And I love the way the, um, the in eight it goes into this, um, that I'm going to evaluate it and slice and dice something out of the totality of it. You know, I'm, I'm going to um, make something out of a part of it that I don't like or I prefer. So I don't like it or I like it. I prefer it or I don't want it. And, um, or I resist it and I'm going to avoid it. Or I'm going to want to change it. Um, and it's intensity of desire to have it for myself. Okay, here I go. Um, one of my favorite lines from the Course is that judgment is ruled by the unstable scales of desire. So I'm, I'm, my personal interpretation, my personal ev- evaluation of what my body's eye sees is where I get into it. the errors of perception. Where does it say that? Um, the body's eyes will never see except through differences. It's not the messages. It's not what I see um, on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluating it and only the mind is responsible. So I, I'm responsible for how my mind's interpreting and judge, judging and evaluating. And what is seen as real or desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. So that talks about the sorting out, and that's where correction must be made. According to my preconceived, my, you know, what is what are my preconceptions about what I'm looking at? Oh, this garden isn't looking good today. It, it looks dried and it looks like it, 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 it needs fertilizer. Well, that's all well and good. But um, when judgment is, is an evaluation of, of, of extending love and, and kindness and goodness, that's one thing. But when it, it judges and evaluates in order to reject it, and to criticize it and condemn it, um, you know, that's, that's where my peace is disturbed and where I get into difficulties. Um, that the Holy Spirit always teaches me that differences do not matter. It's only what my, my um, 
perception of it brings forth from my heart? Does it bring forth fear from my heart? Or does it bring forth love from my heart? So, um, you're not, not evaluating degrees. Degrees, I think, are, are an important point that it talks about um, more, more or less, the um, degrees of more or less, which is a tool for um, evaluation and comparison that the, the ego's thinking makes. Um, you know, but reality is whole, and and um, it cannot be judged whatsoever because the mind that sees through the body sides is incapable of seeing the totality, the wholeness of it. And changes, the, the changeability, the variability, the unstableness of appearances in, in, in a temporal world um, that seem to cause me to feel as though I'm change, changing all the time, I'm varying, I'm unstable, is um, where I separate myself from the ego's thinking in order to, to how do I put this simply, the, the, that continually, consistently going and relinquishing my evaluation or opinion of things and asking the Holy Spirit, how would you have me see this? How would you have me look upon this? Um, restores my changing, cha- changing variable perceptions into one constant, changeless state of mind. And that's the, that's the, um, the, the purification of, of perception in, and undoing of perception and being able to be with and see everything as myself. That it's one stable, immortal, changeless self is apparent to me in the vision that I see through Christ, the Christ consciousness of itself. That there is an un, a very stable underlying reality to everything that appears to be changing, everything that appears to be variable, everything that appears to be unstable, and 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 in t- time and in space. And uh, that's when I truly can stay in the unshakableness of being one with everything. So the relinquishment of judgment is the necessary condition for the salvation of my belief in that I am a, a changing, mortal, I'm a changeless, stable, unchangeable, unalterable, <laughs> perfect, peaceful, loving, happy, in right relationship with everything, um, that nothing has dominion over my, um, my hold on who and what I am, that the world moves through me, and with me, and not a, I'm not in against it uh, or in opposition to it. So that's um, where I'm coming from today. My mind is healed, and it's only mind that's healed. The outer appearances of differences really don't matter. Recognize what doesn't matter. So I can be restored to the changelessness of the oneness of my mind that sees everything as itself. 
one pure perception, love, love seeing, calling for love to, to see itself, to be itself, to be at one with itself. The gentleness is restored. Amen. I'm complete. Long enough. <laughs> the end. <laughs> thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. And thank you, Thank you. This is Sandra again. And I just wanted to pose a question. What if we could eliminate all sickness on this planet by changing our mind about the word sickness and by being willing to change our lifestyle? Just a simple question. And then um, Jude mentioned immortality, and it's brought up in this uh, lesson and in what is a miracle. And for me, immortality in form is sustainability on this planet. It's an extension of the love of God, which, which is what it seems to me that that is, that is what the form is. All, all types of forms are an extension of the Word of God. I, I might be wrong, um, and, but my only way of knowing that is to having the experience of manifesting in this world myself and manifesting in the name of God, which was, you know, at first I was manifesting in the name of Sandra, and, it, and, it, <laughs> and I ran up against so many blocks which were causing so much stress that I had to then use that as an opportunity to return back to God so that I could complete the project, and I did it. And I completed the project with, with God's help and through God and with God. And the ultimate completion, which I'm not, I really couldn't, I'm not capable of doing what I did, um, what, was to know that it was God working through me. Which, and because God's plan for me is perfect happiness. God's plan for me is not to get sick and die. God's plan for me is perfect happiness and to accept that there is no death. Yeah, I'll drop the body. There are seasons, you know, um, immortality and sustainability, how it looks on this planet is there's seasons. There's rhythms. Um, and I have to learn how to work with those seasons and rhythms so that this body can survive. But, it, but life on this planet, if we just get out of the way, is sustainable. It'll sustain itself. It'll keep going forever and ever. And it'll provide food, water. We just got in there and thought we had a better plan. And mostly it was because we wanted it. We, we wanted quick fixes. We did not want to experience and appreciate the process, which for me, the only way I can do that is in the holy instant. I can only experience and appreciate the process when I'm in the holy instant and I remember who I am and how I'm co-creating this. I'm not separate from what I see in front of me. I'm co-creating it. So now I have to 
you know, if I want to have a sustainable experience that is full of joy and happiness, if I'm co-creating resentment, anger, sickness, then I got to look again and see, you know, what is it? What is it that I have to make? What is it that I have to adjust? What lifestyle am I choosing? But in total innocence, total innocence, I'm not guilty here. What is it that I need to shift? What is it that I need to change? And I ask myself that every day while I'm giving gratitude for what is present and what I'm so grateful for and knowing that God, God is with me. God is with you. You are God. I am God in, in action here on earth through my extension of love, kindness, understanding, forgiveness, patience. I'm complete. Well, that was really excellent, Sandra. Thank you. I'm going to step back from that and, and say um, the Holy Spirit teaches me that I'm purely mind and one mind with God and everyone's awareness. We are the knower of everything that is manifest. We are the awareness in which everything that is manifesting appears in in the mind of God. Everything is an idea in the mind of God. Judy is an idea in the mind of God. Everyone is an idea in the mind of God. But we are the knower of that. I am, I am the knower of my experience in the world. And I, I don't confuse myself with things that are temporal and that change. This is what the Course has taught me. I know my thoughts, and thoughts can change until I recognize the changelessness in the mind that is in the perfection of the and the one mind of God. Thoughts, loving thoughts that never change, that are always loving and always accepting. And, and, and the idea that anything that changes is not I am. We are all I am. That is our sacred name. That is the name for the nameless, formless, inconceivable, unknowing, unknowable thing that we are. It's not a thing. It's not an object. It's the truth of who we are, the awareness of everything that we can perceive, feel, hear, think about anything in our experience. God is experiencing the totality of himself. It's one thing. It's, and even to say one, it's wholeness, wholeness, and non-duality. There's no difference. That's the whole point of the reading today. There's, there's no difference between God and, and what he merely is. It's all merely love. Love calling for love to be itself and becoming itself in an in endless extension of itself. And however it appears, in whatever form it shape, it, it the the differences recognize that doesn't matter because the manifestation isn't what's real. 
It's the I am knowing itself as itself that is our reality. To step back from what we think we see and what we think we know. Step back from our thinking altogether. Because all thinking is changeable. All emotions, all feelings, sensations, perceptions, images, appearances, anything that changes is not who or what we are. So mm, that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thank Thank you, Judy. Thanks, However, Judy. Life changes, and we are a part of life. I'm complete. Thanks, Sandra. I just want to speak to this relationships in particular that comes from the um, the first paragraph in um, the number nine section. Um, relationships in particular must be pop- properly perceived and all the dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. And what is unforgiveness except a judgment and seeing something as sinful? Now, what does what does sinful mean? To me, sinful means that I have a mistaken sense of self-appraisal. I'm, I'm perceiving myself as a body within a body, as a separate mind from and a separate body, and I'm, there's an inside me and there's an outside world, and that I need to fix or change this mistaken sense of self-appraisal and improve upon it or fix it and, 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 and improve upon the world and as an extension of that illusory sense of self and its relationship to the world and fix and change the world so it, it better suits or makes me more comfortable in my illusory self. And, and the text specifically speaks of this making myself uncomfortable by inappropriate means. It's not about changing the dream, and it's not about changing the world. It's about changing my perception of who and what I know I am, coming to the knowledge of the reality of who and what I am, because that self is perfect, and it doesn't need to be 
perfected or changed whatsoever in any way. And it doesn't need to adjust itself to its reality because its reality is that it is everything. In everything, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. It knows everything as itself. And the power that it is is the love that it is. And, and that's the changelessness truth of, of what and who we are, that I am omnipotent love. I am omnipresent, ever already here love. And I am all-knowing love. So try that on for size. <laughs> the end. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Good morning. One last thing from the last paragraph in, paragraph in 8, line 7. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, purely mind, purely light, purely love, so too are illusions without distinctions. One answer to sickness, sickness, sinless, or sinfulness, of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Amen. I will be quiet now. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Harrison. So, uh, this lesson and uh, at least portions of uh, Manual reading today is about judgment. And he speaks to the uh, centrality of judgment uh, as it relates to um, what the Course is, is trying to teach us. He says in um, number nine, our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. Now, uh, he acknowledges that judgment is something that, uh, aside from the course, is regarded as important and necessary. And I think we can all agree how um, our, in our upbringing, um, how important the uh, idea of judgment uh, has been uh, in order to 
uh, get along in this world, uh, the world of form, uh, in order to be quote-unquote successful in this world, then uh, our right use of judgment uh, has been uh, or is critical. Um, lots of decisions are made about us. A lot of judgments are made about us based on uh, our ability or inability to judge. And yet, the course comes along and says, our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a usually a fairly slow process, not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. So why is the relinquishment of judgment so important. I believe that it's important because I'm not really good at it. I don't know how to judge because my judgment is based on what the world has taught me and what the world is showing me is based on the idea that my perceptions uh, are my reality, are the only reality. And it's my perceptions are the basis of my judgments. So it's a faulty base. It's an unreal base on which I base my judgments. And that's why my judgments are uh, illusory. That's why my judgments are inaccurate. My judgments of my brothers and sisters, my judgments of the world is all based on illusion. It's all based on something that isn't true. 
he said it in one of the sections, all sickness is illusion. All sickness is of the mind. In truth, sickness does not exist. And if we want to eradicate sickness, we have to remove it from our minds. That's the only way. As hard as our scientists and doctors and nurses and all the people in health work to try and eradicate sickness is still very much with us. And we end up treating the symptoms. It's the same with death as much as we try to avoid it for as long as we can. It's still very much with us. It's because sickness and death are of the mind. And they serve a purpose. And that purpose is to convince us that we have separated from God that the separation is real. If we want to undo sickness and death, attack, harm, hatefulness, then we must undo the tiny man idea that we're separate from God. It really is that simple. The ego thought system would make it complex, would make it impossible to do. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us and he says in today's lesson anger must come from judgment. Judgment is the weapon I would use against myself to keep the miracle away from me. I convince myself that I don't deserve the miracle. I don't deserve salvation. Why? Because of all the things I've done as a body. That's judgment. 
that all stems from judgment. A weapon that I would use against myself. So, my job today is to let the Holy Spirit judge today. I don't know my will, but Holy Spirit is sure it is God's will. And Holy Spirit will speak for me and call God's miracles to come to me. All I have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit's help. I'm complete. Amen. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Who was it that said, I have come to bring life and to bring life more abundantly? Thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Sandra. It was Christ. minute or so left. Anyone? I'm so inspired. I will to be the Christ here on earth today. I'm complete. You are inspired. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. You are. You are the Christ. Well, my friends, this has been a great call this morning, and I was and have been particularly blessed uh, this morning by the release of judgment upon myself. 
And so, um, I think to close this call this morning from chapter 14, I think this is in the shift to miracle. Nope, test of truth. Test of truth. Those who remember always. I can do that. Remember always that they know nothing, but who have become willing to learn everything will learn it. But whenever they trust themselves, they will not learn, for they have destroyed their motivation for learning by thinking they already know. Think not you understand anything until you pass the test of perfect peace. For peace and understanding go together and never can be found alone. Each brings the other with it, for it is the law of God that they be not separate. They are cause and effect, each to the other, so where one is absent, the other cannot be. If you want peace, you must abandon the teacher of attack. The teacher of peace will never abandon you. You can desert him, but he will never reciprocate, for his faith in you is his understanding. It is as firm as is his faith in his creator, and he knows that faith in his creator must encompass faith in his creation. In this consistency lies his holiness, which he cannot abandon, for it is not his will to do so. With your perfection, with your perfection ever in his sight, he gives the gift of peace to everyone who perceives the need for peace and who would have it. Make way for peace, and it will come, for understanding is in you, and from it, peace must come. Amen. In light of that, I'm so willing to say I don't know and be instructed in truth. So thank you, mighty companions. So grateful. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Great Thank you, everyone. Great call. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, great call. Have a great